In this episode of Upward Calling, we talk about the importance of persevering. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with University Church of Christ evangelist Josh Greel and Dr. Kenny Embry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson from a recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through Friday. How you doing, Josh? Kenny, I'm doing great. All my travel is done for the summer. I am looking forward <laughs> to being in one place for, for quite some time, but I don't think you can say the same. I cannot. We, we uh, have a, a trip planned for uh, next week that we're going to go visit uh, my in-laws and my parents. So it's the great family trip. It's a great Embry family trip of, of 2022 coming to a city probably not near you at all. So, that sounds like a, it could be a movie. <laughs> or at least well, uh, a five a five episode Netflix show. <laughs> That's exactly right. You went back to Second Peter, the first chapter. I've enjoyed this series immensely. Uh, this time, instead of going back to self control, and I'm still gonna I'm still gonna give the plug for self control. You, you went on to p- perseverance. You said as you were talking about perseverance that uh, number one, you said that that stuff won't go our way. Uh, all, all the time. I've noticed that in my life. I think most people have. Uh, why is it important or is it important that we suffer occasionally? Oh, if you want to talk about self-control uh, again, I mean, <laughs> the point is control yourselves, people. God says you can. God says you should. No. Um, yeah, that is, that is an unfortunate thing. I am trying to cover so much ground over so many yeah. weeks. and uh, I get it. I get it. And we did need to, to talk about some things a couple of weeks ago um, that mm-hmm. weren't necessarily planned. So uh, we did we did move on to perseverance. I did, however, separate perseverance from godliness so that we give godliness a full week. So uh, Thank you that for is that. also one of my favorite concepts in scripture. But you're right. The idea that Christians are told to endure or to persevere implies times are going to be tough. Mm-hmm. And do I think it's important? I do, because I, I believe God says it's important. Uh, you know, James makes that point uh, pretty, pretty clear in the opening verses uh, of James chapter 1. And uh, I know that many people have been, have been studying that lately, but he says in verse two, consider it all joys, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result. So you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And Kenny, you go back to the very beginning of scripture. And while James goes on to talk about how when we are tempted, let us not say that it is God that is tempting, which is correct. Right. But the very beginning, there is a serpent in the garden. Does God know that serpent is there? I mean, how could he he not? Of course he does. Does God know what that serpent is going to do? I certainly believe he does. Mm -hmm. And so he allows Eve and Adam to be tested. Did God do the tempting? No, but God allowed it. And why? Well, I think this ultimately goes back to the concept of love. And are we willing to endure and to fight for something that we view as being valuable and important? And and so if life was always easy and if God just set us on this yellow brick road where there's never a problem and and no issues, what would our love for him be? If there's no endurance or there's no trials to overcome, 
would we love God and would we value God like we should? And it's not just, you know, Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. You look at the temptation of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And in Matthew 4, the text says specifically in verse 1, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And who's waiting for him? Well, it's Satan. Right. And what is the purpose? He is going to be tested. He is going to be tried by the devil for 40 days. God, does God not know Satan's in the wilderness <laughs> waiting for Jesus? I certainly believe he does. He has a spirit <laughs> yeah. lead him there. Right. And so Jesus then is the example for us of, did he think his relationship with God was so important that he's willing to endure? Mm -hmm. And by extension, do we? Do we, do we think that what God has promised for us and what God has for us and what God has done for us is worth enduring for? And I, I think that the suffering and the, the need to persevere is good for us for that, for that sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I could not disagree with you on that. I think it, suffering is not fun. It just never is. That's kind of by virtue of what it is. It's just not fun. Um, but I think every crisis makes you better, I mean, whether you want to agree with it or not. I mean, I think that you started off this by saying, "Does do we follow God for no reason other than we get good stuff from him? Which is, of mm -hmm. course, Satan's question to God about Job, which is exactly the same question that we should be asking. Not that we want to suffer what Job did, but but... Yeah, suffering makes all the sense in the world. It's just never and fun going. Through. Kenny, Go I think I think we as parents again. I th I think we we see this. We we know there are there are things we want our kids to to fight for. We we want our kids to endure and, and see value in that. Uh, I remember as a as a young boy, I loved football. Growing up in Alabama, it's kind of hard not to. Um, <laughs> right. Played football all the time with my friends. Yeah. But then I had the opportunity in seventh grade to to join the um, middle school, or we called it junior high, uh, the junior high football team. I was the only right. seventh grader on the team. Wow. And Kenny, I hated it <laughs> as a seventh grader <laughs> right? because I'm the smallest. The coach didn't act like he liked me, which I mean, I'm a seventh grader. Why, why should he? Right. Um, it hurt. Uh, I was, you know, and so... I was ready to quit after week one. Yeah. Well, mom and dad said, nope, you you signed up. You will finish this year. Now, mm -hmm. if you decide you don't want to play next year, okay. Well, again, we all do that with, with people that are important in our lives. We don't want them to be quitters. We want them to see there is value in staying the course. Right. And ultimately, there is no greater value than what God's providing for us. And he is saying, stay the course. Yeah, things things are tough. Things look bad, but stay the course. It's going to be worth it in the end, right? You know, you also started. In, a lot of these biblical concepts kind of have a lot of overlap to them. So, for example, when we when we talk about what love is in in First Corinthians thirteen, there's just a bunch of other concepts that are pulled into basically the entire definition of it. Uh, in this, when you started talking about perseverance you started doing this thing where you started pulling in other ideas as well. Uh, you, you talked about pulling joy in and kind of in a back door, I think you, you pulled in hope as well. Mm -hmm. That that hope is absolutely 
part of this idea of perseverance. Um, you're asking us again in a roundabout way to take on an optimistic attitude when times are tough. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Yeah. Well, how we got to, to um, joy and hope and peace and love was because we, we'd gone to Luke 8. We had looked at the um, parable of the sower and we talked about yeah. the difference between the seed that fell on rocky ground and the seed that fell on good soil. Right. And the fact is both had times of testing, but the, the seed in the good soil produced fruit with endurance, with patience, perseverance. Mm-hmm. And so here we are. We're, we're not just bunkering, you know, getting in a bunker, hunkering down and just waiting out the storm. Right. No, we, we need to be bearing fruit. And that fruit we're bearing is love, joy, and peace. But how is that possible? How can we take an optimistic, optimistic attitude? Yeah. It's because we win. Ultimately, <laughs> we win. And Kenny, I was thinking about it this way. Um, I, I don't know what, do you and your wife have differing tastes in movies? <laughs> Yeah. Yes. The answer to that question, just very simply. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so do my wife and I, um, <laughs> I tell you, Kenny, I love, and I don't know why, I don't know if I just have this, uh, macabre, uh, kind of part of my personality. Um, I love movies where the heroes, you know, show their heroism by, you know, giving it all in the end. You know, I, mm-hmm. I love movies like saving private Ryan and, yeah. Braveheart yeah. and you know the last the Mohicans in these in these other kinds of movies where yeah they don't win now they they may they may die for a cause that ultimately wins but they themselves they they give it all in the process right and you know I kind of set up the, even the sermon uh, in this way that the Greeks looked at that and the idea of perseverance and their heroes that they persevered all the way to the bitter end and the bitter end is that they, they die yeah well. Jesus gave all, he sacrificed all, but he won. That's yeah. the thing. He didn't stay in the, he didn't stay in the tomb. He won. God, God raised him from the dead. And right. so we endure, we persevere, but we get to win. And so in our toughest hours, in our toughest days, we ought to be innervated by the fact that God promises that the way into the eternal kingdom is going to be abundantly supplied, as he said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. Right. I get to win. It may not look like it right now. We may, uh, we may look every day like we're losing, but we're winning. Right. Right. And by the way, Jana likes Hallmark movies, and nobody... <laughs> Nobody, nobody loses, nobody loses in those movies. (laughs) Well, that's not true at all, Josh, because that's what Katie likes as well. And what, what, what has to happen is the woman with the high powered job in New York city has to go back to her hometown where she has to give up that job so she can get back with her high school sweetheart. Well, but she still wins. I mean, she gets that. (laughs) She wins at the bigger game of life. That's That's right. right. This is right. (laughs) That's exactly right. I, you said that that perseverance isn't passive, and I, yeah, that, that that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, th- there is stuff that we need to do. We need to do stuff that makes a difference. But how much of a difference do we really make? I mean, I, I think about the endless mask debates that we had during COVID. I think about the the really pointless 
political debates that that we have. And, and you know, I, I hear a lot of debates that that are endless and pointless, but but I, I don't see any anything that that moves the needle at all. Isn't this whole idea of doing something kind of a fool's errand? Well, on our own, yes, um, I, I would say that that's probably true. For a Christian, and knowing that ultimately we are we are serving in a, a cause that is greater than ourselves, we are we are serving yeah. in God's cause. That is an eye-opening concept mm-hmm. that He is ultimately going to be victorious, and I'm going to let Him define what the parameters of the, are for that. Yeah. What does that mean as far as the percentage of people? that are going to be saved, you know, from, from, from our earthly standpoints and and the metrics that you and I might use, you know, we might, we might say that, Oh, this is, this is not going well. This is, you know, this is not going well at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are ultimately serving in in a cause that's greater than ourselves and a King that is greater than us. And, And so the reason why we can't be passive and I, and I go back to Matthew 10, where, where Jesus said to his disciples, you know, what I tell you uh, in private, you proclaim from the, the housetop. Mm-hmm. And don't, don't be afraid of what man's going to do to you. You, you just go out and you, you proclaim and, and publicly so this message. Well, the people he's telling that to, they all die for, for doing this. They, they die in the process, but right. they, they still win. And they influence. Did they influence most of the world? No. They they saved a few in the grand right, scheme, right? But they did save some, and and if God is satisfied with that, then I'm satisfied with that. You know, it reminds me of the, of, of Paul at the Areopagus, and we we aren't given a number of the people that that, that he that were converted or, or even persuaded by what he, what he said at the Areopagus. But Paul's speech at the, at the Areopagus continues to persuade people. Yeah. I, I think that the mistake in, in, in that person asking that kind of question, number one is to discount the people that are directly around you. I mean, mm-hmm. it's that old story of, of the person who's, who's going to low tide and collecting starfish and, and then saying, you know, you can't call, save all the starfish. Yeah, but I can save this one. And that's, that's a perfectly reasonable way to think about it. But also realize that anything you're doing spiritually, anything you're doing, period, is leaving a legacy for somebody else to follow after you. Yeah. That, that your, your life will eventually become a phrase, if you're lucky. And what will that phrase be? And that phrase will influence other people. I think about the way that my faith is bolstered. It's quite frankly not my experience with God. It's other people's experiences with, with God that affect me and my relationship with God. Yeah. I think if you think only in terms of immediate effect, you are too short sighted. Yep. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, cause we, we've talked about this concept a lot. We, we talk about the, the generational church. Yes. Well, what I'm doing today and the effect that it's having on other generations that, that carries through, you know, yeah. the, ultimately we're all standing on the shoulders of giants, mm-hmm. people that have gone before us, men and women, faithful saints, and my kids may never know what their names were, but they're still benefiting from that legacy and the service that was done. And I really, I thought, I thought you bringing up Acts 17 was a fantastic point because you're right. That, that 
what Paul says in Acts 17 on Mars Hill is still such a, a great tool from an apologetic standpoint in, in convincing people of Jesus and God. But you're right, in the immediate aftermath, in fact, the numbers are so few that Luke even lists a couple of the people by name, and, and he doesn't normally do that. Right. You know, and so the very the very fact that he lists a couple of people by name kind of gives you the sense that, yeah, there, Paul did not make a lot of headway in Athens. No. Yeah. But that, that speech in Athens has meant a whole lot for generations afterwards. Yeah. You know, the thing is, and I, I've, I did, I've done this a couple of times in, in classes where I say, okay, you realize that the Areopagus was the place that people made speeches. They did that for decades. Name one. The only one you can name is probably the one by Paul. Yeah. If you're really astute, you might know about Socrates doing his defense on the Areopagus, but that's about it. We'll get Will in here for that podcast. <laughs> well, anyway, let me ask let me ask you this. When you think about what perseverance is, and you've kind of already said this that, that we have already won, what is the discouragement here? Why do we get discouraged? Why is this somewhere something Paul Earnhardt once said, and I think we've made reference to this in this podcast, but I can't remember that, that Christianity is a religion for losers. Yeah. It's hard not to feel like a loser sometimes uh, with Christianity. Why should we take heart in that? Or should we take heart in that? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And I think we can go to, to maybe, I tell you, if there's a passage that's used for this kind of encouragement more than Romans 8, I can't really think of it right off the bat, but Romans 8 has has kind of served this purpose. But remember what's put in the in kind of the, the middle of this point is toward the end of, of the chapter. Mm-hmm. But when Paul asks a question in verse 35 of Romans 8, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And then verse 36, just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. He's not Mm -hmm. speaking rhetorically here. Right. He is saying this is the lot of God's people. On an outside perspective, it looks like things are going really, really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tell you, that's that's kind of revelation in a nutshell, too. From an outside perspective, <laughs> you read those opening chapters, it looks really bad for God's people. Mm-hmm. But then you transition to, oh, here's the throne room and God's still reigning over all and the lamb is with him. Oh, and guess what? He's about to come in judgment. So it's, gonna, it's all going to work out OK. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how Paul then finishes in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Mm-hmm. We are being slaughtered. Yeah. You know, metaphorically speaking, perhaps, you know, for us in, in this country, but um, we are suffering, but we win. And, and so there's, there's reason from an outside perspective to be pessimistic. But again, this is where, where our faith comes in in the, in the very concept of perseverance and endurance. We win. God can work with $5 a gallon gas. Mm-hmm. God can work with Roe Ro versus Wade 
as law or Roe versus Wade not as law. Right. God can work with whatever person is in the presidency. God can work anything that he needs to. Quite frankly, God has often worked to, done his best work in spite of man instead of because of man. Yeah. So, I mean. <laughs> if churches can prosper with Nero being Caesar. Yeah. Christians can do just fine with yeah. uh, whoever, like you said, whoever is governing the affairs of men today. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. So how does this idea of perseverance help us with God's upward call? Well, I think we've been getting at it the, the entire podcast. Um, I, do the too. Upper, I do too. The upward call is there. Um, and the, the, the end result of the upward call is there. Right. Is it all going to be smooth sailing on the upward call? No. There's going to be our own failings. Uh, there's going to be our own setbacks. And there's certainly going to be outside, um, you know, issues that come up, uh, trials that, that come our way. But the upward call remains the same and the end result of the upward call remains the same. So God is saying, stay the course. You know, don't, don't lose faith in me. Uh, I'm here for you when you have your your personal setbacks. Uh, I, I'm I'm still here with grace and mercy and forgiveness, yeah. and I'm certainly with here with you in these external trials. Um, and and stay with me, and I'm going to see you through these. Even though, from an outside metric and perspective, it might looks like we might look like we lost. Yeah, but we still win. Yeah. So if you feel like just doom and gloom. Stop it. Yeah. Realize a lot of this is just perspective. Uh, you have to see who's pulling the strings. It's not Biden. It's not Trump. It's not the Supreme Court. God really is the one pulling the strings. And he's already told you, I'm on, I'm on your side. <laughs> I'm on your side. Does that make sense? It does. And, you know, I feel like in the last few years, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm perceived as a doom and gloom preacher or... <laughs> You know what have you? Um, we we have you know discussed some some relevant issues in a, in a somewhat frank manner, but yep. I do hope this is what comes across. Yeah, I mean we need to be realistic about the world in which we live and 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 our status in that world, but our status before God is conquerors. Yeah, 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 conquerors. And I will throw this in probably every single time. And sons and daughters. Yes. To a father who loves us. Yes. I, I think that's, we're loved. We're loved yes. even when, when, when we don't feel like it. Absolutely. So anyway, what, what are you going to be talking about next time? Man? Well, it is uh, the Sunday of this month where we'll be talking about the remnant and we, oh, will, uh, we will consider that in uh, some, some further detail. That sounds good. So we'll talk about that next time. How's that sound, man? Sounds good, Kenny. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at the University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. The sermon we reference in this episode is in the show notes. We have all of our information at universitychurchofchrist.org. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.